Grab a seat. I got my mirror here with me today. We're gonna do a little looking in that in a bit. Hopefully that won't fall. I don't know how much bad luck that adds up to, but it is awesome to be here, be around, be together, be live streaming out to wherever you are in your living room or your bedroom or your kitchen or wherever you live stream to. And for everybody that's here in person, praise the Lord, we get to gather, not forsaking the fellowship of the believers. This is amazing. I stand here, I did the same thing earlier this morning at, at nine o'clock when I got to talk. And uh, I looked out and the first thing I saw were these doors in the back open. And I don't know if anybody has heard this saying before, but about six months of my life when I was eight years old, we lived with my grandparents. And every time I went outside or came back inside, my grandfather would say, were you born in a barn? And I would look at him like, well, I don't know, you were there. I thought it was a hospital, what? And he's like, well, he's like born in a barn? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, can't you get the door shut? And I'm like, what does that have to do with a barn? Like, I understand metaphors and how they're supposed to work, but I mean, like, it seems like born in a barn would be a better metaphor for watch where you step, were you born in a barn, or, you know, get up a little bit earlier like the animals, were you born in a barn, or mice are more scared of you than you are of them, you were born in a barn, I don't know. I don't understand about the door open, the door closed thing, but, so it's a little disconcerting the doors are open, but at the same time, that means the air's flowing around and we get to meet inside, so that is a good thing, I'm thankful for that. Rob used to get up here a lot and talk about being an imperfect church made up of imperfect people. And uh, I wanna take it a step further today and say that not only are we imperfect, but we're actually, we're a bunch of hurting people, if we're honest. When we take a look in the mirror, we have hurts and pains and wounds and fears, and those things affect how we do life and how we interact with others. And I wanna get real today and just be able to talk about that a little bit and where God enters into that. We're in this really cool series where uh, we talked about his story, history, God's redemptive plan and his faithfulness throughout the Old Testament. We went through seven weeks of that, that ended last week, but it was a really cool chance to get snapshots of different stories in the Old Testament, this great historical book that's also the book of God and his power and get to see his desire to love us and stay faithfully in pursuit of us regardless of our behaviors or our actions. But now we're at this transition week because next week we're gonna start talking about new life and what it looks like once Jesus has come and where life goes from there and how he interacts with us and what he brings to us. We're in this transition week and in this transition week I want us to look in the mirror. I want us to do metaphorically what we're not able to do actually. So just to try to clear up the metaphor, we're gonna take our masks off. Not literally, but you know that feeling you get if you've had to wear a mask like into a store or something and you get back into your vehicle and you get to take it off? Like the freedom that you feel for that? Or maybe you're like us and you keep your mask in your car because at home you don't wear your mask and so you pull up in the driveway and you hang your mask up and you get to go in the house without a mask on and you feel freedom with that? Well, that's where I wanna go this morning metaphorically. I wanna to get to the point where you feel safe enough here in the church building, safe enough wherever you're listening to know that you can take your mask off, not from a coronavirus standpoint, but from a fake, trying to be something we're not, trying to act somehow we shouldn't, trying to pretend like everything is all together when it's not. Because the reality is there are just times we need to take an honest assessment and an honest look in the mirror. So let's start by asking you some questions to get you in the mode of thinking about yourself for a moment. 
So when you think of yourself, would you say that you are more of a beach person? Raise a hand over here if you're a beach person or a mountain person. So we got beach people, or which, which one are you? This is the mountain people. If you're there at home, play along. Beach people, mountain people. All right, play along people, let's go. Everybody play along, beach person, mountain person. All right, good. Uh, let's see, how about this one? Are you more of a thinker or are you more of a feeler? Thinker or a feeler? All right, try not to elbow the person in the face next to you, but y'all are doing a great job. Some people are both, all right, thinkers and feelers. Uh, when you get wiped out and, and you know, your energy is all gone, where do you go to recharge? Do you need to be around people or do you need to be by yourself? Which one? Around people, by yourself. All right. Uh, let's see. In a business setting, in a work setting, do you tend to be more results-focused or are you more relationship-focused? Results-focused, we got to get things done, or relationship-focused, I'd rather stop and talk to some people for a while and we may get it done later. Results, relationships. All right. You've heard me say this about probably church multiple times, but Jesus balanced grace and truth. But for us, that's hard to pull off. So in most interactions, when it comes to spiritual thinking, are you more of a truth person? There's, there's rules, there's, there's concepts we need to abide by. Are you more of a grace person? Well, you know, the rules are suggestions and, you know, there's a lot of grace around, you know, how we interact. Where you got on that one? All right. Good, we're starting to get a little feel for looking in the mirror and looking at yourself. That's what we're gonna do. So I've got my mirror right here. Um, it uh, needs cleaning a little bit probably. But, so when I look in the mirror, I gotta get down here a little to look in the mirror. Thank you, babe, I appreciate that. My wife likes where my hair is at this stage. I actually, every time I look in the mirror, hear my dad's voice in the back of my head. Boy, about time to get that stuff cut. He, uh, I shouldn't tell that story. I'm probably not, I don't know how to tell that story. Yeah. So we had a little guy. Uh, we had a little guy, and Christina didn't ever cut his hair. He was a little bitty guy, maybe two years old. And uh, my dad was going around uh, Sam's Club with him one day, just they were hanging out together, and somebody came up and said, that's the cutest little girl. And uh, it just like made my dad's blood boil. And so he came home, and I don't think he actually did this, but he told Christina, he said, so you know what I did? Pulled his pants down right there in the sands. I said, oh, it's not a little girl, it's a little boy. You can't tell unless I pull his pants down. I hope he didn't do that. But uh, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? What do you see when you look in the mirror? Jose taught us in the His Story series, the very first lesson in the series about being created in God's image. And he said, when you look in the mirror, he said, I hope that you see that you were created in God's image that you look past everything else, hair length and skin color and everything else, and you realize you were created in God's image, and so was everybody else that you see. We were all created in God's image, and we represent a facet of who he is. We need to remember that when we look in the mirror. A few weeks later, we actually heard from Taylor as she taught, and she said, another concept we learned from the Old Testament is that when you look in the mirror, you need to see yourself the way God does. When God sees, he sees past the outward, and inside to the heart. God goes so far as to say all he sees when he looks at you is your heart. So as we try to decide about where we are today, how we are getting real, getting authentic, we need to realize that God looks past your outward and he looks into your heart. What's that mean? That may be hard to figure out. We have hearts. 
Taylor told us the definition of that is kind of our, our inner man, our will, our emotional intellect is all wrapped up in the word heart. Oswald Chambers said the best translation of the word heart is you. It's the authentic you when it says that in the Bible. So how's your heart? That's what we're gonna talk about today as we get ready to look at this new life that we've been given, the opportunity to interact in a crazy fallen world. Because the crazy fallen world is an important part of the story. Anybody remember The Wizard of Oz? Did you guys see that? Uh, I remember watching that for the first time and I got so into it, I was a little guy and I got so into it that I forgot that it was a dream. I actually, you watching the movie and you forget that it actually started in Kansas and the whole thing was a dream. It was so realistic to me. And if we're not careful here on earth, we get so wrapped up in what's going on that we forget this isn't our home. This is not what we were created for. This is a temporary spot where we come to know the Lord and we share his love with others, but ultimately we're headed somewhere different. We have a different destination in mind. The reason our hearts get so beat up in this world is because this isn't home. Dorothy was in Oz and her heart got beat up quite a bit because that wasn't where she was supposed to live. The other thing about this world is not only is it not we're supposed to live, but there's an enemy trying to rob, kill, and destroy here. It's another reason our hearts get beat up. If we're real, we're hurting and wounded sometimes because there's an enemy out to get us. There was an enemy out to get Dorothy. It was the wicked witch of somewhere and they were trying to destroy her. And we've also made our own bad choices and that creates hurt and pain in our life. Sometimes we just go the wrong way. Dorothy should have never chased after her dog in a tornado. That was a bad choice. Got her in some bad situations. People around us make bad choices. That causes pain and hurt and woundedness in our lives. And then lastly, the reality is life itself creates wounds because of the things that happen to us as we're growing up. Dorothy, I don't even know what happened to her parents, but they weren't in the picture. She was staying with her aunt and uncle. That had to create some wounds in her. All of those factors coming together teach us that it's gonna be hard here, you guys. We're gonna run into obstacles. We're gonna get beat up from time to time. And the best thing that we can do is acknowledge the hurt so that the people around us can love us, so the church can come alongside us, and so that God can bring healing. So we're gonna get real a little bit and do a bit of a heart check here for a little while. If Wizard of Oz is too old of an analogy for some of you, uh, I was in the other room trying to do a work call uh, a few months back, and I heard in the other room the kids were playing this game, and I went in finally afterwards to ask them, and it was uh, called Fortnite. And, uh, Judge that all you want, but I was trying to keep them occupied while I did the work call. And so, but what it seems like is the same metaphor I'm trying to present here. This dude is dropped into another world that's not his own, and he's got an enemy trying to take him out. He's got people that are supposed to be on his team, but they get selfish sometimes and go fight their own people as opposed, I mean, go fight their own battles instead of coming to revive you when you, when you get hurt. And uh, you only have certain equipment to, to fight the battles that you have. All that, again, another metaphor to try to help you understand that don't be surprised when it gets hard. It's going to get hard. Don't be dismayed when there's pain. Don't look around and say, why did God do this to me? I just gave you five reasons that's happening that have nothing to do with God. This world is difficult, and you will experience pain. But to the extent that you acknowledge it, Healing is a possibility. And if you go to the right source, healing is a reality. So heart check. 
The heart, it turns out as you kind of dig into it, man, it has the ability to get lies and messages written on it. That's why God says in the Bible, inscribe the truth on the tablet of your heart. He wants truth written on your heart. But just as clearly the enemy has the ability to etch things on there that you don't want to live from. Life circumstances create wounds and pain and fears, hurts. The Bible says the heart is the wellspring of life. It means whatever's going on in your heart is what's gonna flow out. That's why it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Out of the abundance of a man's heart, he speaks. Whatever's going on in there is what's gonna come out. So if in any given moment you're overwhelmed by pain, wounds, fear, and hurt, guess what's gonna come out? Behaviors that don't really help you relationally, that hurt the people around you, that don't really get you to a better spot. And at the same time, you have a loving God who is trying to convince you that you are gifted, you are valuable. You have talents in there, pouring love in there so that you can overflow with like fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all those good things. What's the condition of your heart today? That's the question. So let's be honest for a moment. I don't have a mirror for everybody, but I want you to take about 30 seconds And I want you to evaluate. This battle is going on inside the heart of everybody in the room. Which side is winning, if you're honest right now? You feeling more pain and hurt, more truth and love? Just need you to be real. I don't really think there's a right or wrong answer here. It's just what's going on in your heart. Close your eyes if you want, if you're brave enough to do that. And uh, take about 20 or 30 seconds and see which side of this Battle is winning right now in your heart. At the very least, I hope that you can acknowledge that both of those things are going on in your heart. I I pray and hope, man, that the truth, gifts, love, and fruit side is winning right now. Because if it is, you get to be an agent of healing and help in other people's lives. But I also know in a room this size and with as many people that are listening via the live stream, there's some of us that the other side is winning. And all of us have the battle raging day after day. I'm a counselor, that's what I do. I try to help people with relationship stuff. And by far the majority of the time when people come in with some kind of relationship issue, they start by telling me all the things that other person did that they shouldn't have done and all the things that other person didn't do that they should have done that's making their life miserable. And I'm not telling you there's not some truth to that, But I will tell you by far the majority of the time, the relationship disconnect is the result of the things going on in the individual hearts of the people participating. Because whenever we're responding from those wounds and hurts and fears, we don't act in ways that are loving toward others. We're trying to protect ourselves. John Eldridge said that the story of your life is the story of the long and brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows what you're capable of and fears it. The enemy is out to take your heart down because he didn't want those gifts and fruits flowing out and you blessing other people. But we miss it sometimes because instead of looking in, we look out and try to blame everybody around us. That's why James said in James chapter four, verse one, he says, what is it then? What is it that causes the fights and quarrels among you? If you're a relationship counselor or ever trying to help somebody reconcile relationship in any way, you need to know this verse. 
Because it's pretty clear and it's pretty simple. It says, by far the majority of the time, the thing that's causing the disconnect between you and another person is actually the battle that's waging war inside you. And once you get that cleared up, the relationship stuff goes way smoother. But it's a lot easier to look out than it is to look in the mirror, particularly when we're feeling vulnerable or wounded. Now, I'm not just talking about authenticity for authenticity's sake. You'll get that from psychology right now. Brene Brown would tell you that authenticity is the highest end, end goal. That's what you should be. It's a start, but authenticity is just a way to look in the mirror genuinely so that you can take the next step to get healing and depend on the right source for health. So what do we do with all of this? We've got these hurts and wounds and fears. We're doing an honest assessment. We're trying to figure out where to go from there. Well, we look to the source. I love the fact that in our faith, God didn't stay distant. He's forever present and he sent his son as an example. And I love the fact that his son was human. Like his son was, was excited when he was baptized. He felt his son was fatigued. Jesus was fatigued when he fasted and then had to do battle with the enemy. His son wept at the death of his friend and the pain it was causing the people around him. His son got angry, flipped some tables over, got mad at his best friend and said, get behind me, you crazy man. His son grieved in the garden at the pain that was to come. He was real and he was transparent and he was vulnerable because he was fully man. And yet at the same time, this is cool because we're not capable of this, he was also God, and so he said, I need to make sure you understand. He says this in Mark. He said, I didn't come for the people who act like they have it all together. You can try to fake your way through life all you want, but that's not who I came from. It's like a doctor. Why would a doctor go find healthy people and hang out with them, or why would healthy people pursue a doctor? The reality is doctors are for sick, and I'm for those that are hurting. So that Mark verse says this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So let's get real, you guys. Sometimes we hurt, sometimes we're wounded. And when we're that way, we tend to hurt and wound other people. So we need to ask for help. We need to be honest with ourselves and willing to ask for help when we need it. We get help for all kinds of things. Man, I... I don't know that I ever could have fixed my car, but I certainly can't fix it now. There's electronic gizmos and gadgets in there. I can't, there's plastic stuff covering everything. I can barely find the battery when I got to jump it off in there. I'm perfectly fine with going and asking a mechanic to help me with my car because I know they can do stuff I can't. I, I know women, not pointing any fingers at my wife, but you know, I know women who look in the mirror and see things in their face and decide, you know what, I need to get some help for this. I need to go get some kind of painful looking shot injected in my face so that these wrinkles go away. Willing to get help for that. I know kids who don't know, understand how to do algebra or don't know how to hit the, you know, the golf ball the way they want to or don't know how to play the instrument the way they want to. They go get help for that through tutors and coaches. And yet when it comes down to the emotional and the relational stuff going on with us, there's some stigma about asking for help or being vulnerable or being real. We gotta get past that. You gotta realize that as clean and nice and dressed up and appropriate as you guys all are, 
That's the outside. Inside, in this room, there are people that are hurting. How do we who are in the moment feeling a little healthier respond to that? And how do those of us that are hurting be vulnerable enough and transparent enough to actually just admit it? Because if you do, good things happen. Jose said just last week in the last of the His Story session, he talked about Psalm 121, which basically says this, I lift my eyes up to the mountains, up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He watches over me. He is my keeper. And Jose brought out those three points, that the Lord is your helper, he's your maker, and he's your keeper. But let's be honest, we can get off track at any of those three. The first one is the one I've been discussing. Sometimes we don't want to acknowledge that we need help. We'd rather pretend and act like we got it all together. Don't even get me started on how we present ourselves on social media in less than an authentic, accurate way. But we would rather pretend we have it all together than ask for help. But when you do that, you rob God of his first role, which is your helper. And then the second thing is that he's our maker. What source do you go to when you actually admit that you're hurting? Jose said it last week. We go to Google mostly when we need some help with something. But how about emotionally and relationally? Who do you turn to when you're hurting? Why not turn to the one who put you together and built you and knit you together in your mother's womb? How cool would it be if you turned to him and got to hear him say, you know what, I know the world's telling you you don't have it. You don't have what it takes. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. But let me tell you the truth. You are exactly who I want you to be. You have all it takes to be successful and succeed because I'm in your corner. We get off track in the last one too. He's your keeper. Where do you find protection when you're hurting? Let's be honest. Some of us find protection in unhealthy relationships. Some of us find protection in things we shouldn't be looking at on the internet. Some of us find protection in a bottle or in an addiction. We go to all kinds of places to try to remedy the hurt and the pain and the wounds that we're feeling inside as opposed to turning to the Lord. So that's what the rest of today is about. Just a couple of minutes to go. It's a little warm here. It probably feels great on your couch in the air conditioning. But I just want to finish up with where we get that help real tangibly. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I like this section because it actually, you know how they title little sections of your Bible? 2 Corinthians 4 is actually titled Present Weakness and Resurrection Life. Saying presently we're pretty weak, but we know there's this resurrection life ahead, which is what we're about to hear in the next series. But in verse 6 it says this, For God who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So it starts by saying God who made everything, including light, brings that light personally and individually down to the hearts of everybody here. You're gonna win this battle if you got God on your side. The battle between hurt, wounds, and fears, and truth, love, and gifts, you're gonna win it because God's light is in you. Going down to verse seven, it says, but we have the treasure this treasure of Christ in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're broken vessels. That's what it's saying. Our hearts are vulnerable, and we have this amazing gift of Jesus in our hearts, but our hearts, man, good and bad. Enemy has some say. The world can crash in on us. And so what happens is what it says in verse 8, there are times when we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, 
but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. That, that happens, you guys. We get hard pressed, struck down, persecuted. It says in verse 10, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Why is all this stuff going on? Why, why is it so hard? Why, why are things going on in my heart that I can't make sense of or my life circumstances? I don't know. But I know that if you acknowledge the hurt and you reach out to your maker for help and protection, ultimately God's glory will be revealed in that and will be a better reflection to a world out there that sometimes thinks they have to get it all together before they even come to church. So a couple of points as we wrap up. You do have the ability to, to be proactive in your life, to deal with what's going on inside you. In Luke 2.52, it says, Jesus grew in four areas. Those four areas are wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor with man. When you put those into terms that we use today, it comes up with four areas that we need to be looking at as we're taking better care of ourselves. And those four areas are, you know, wisdom is mentally, Stature is physically, favor with God is spiritually, and favor with man is emotionally. Do a little check. How are you doing in these areas? Are you good at taking care of yourself in some and recharging in some? And maybe there's one or two of them that are a little harder for you. You don't do quite as well. And they're all important. You're a holistic being. And all four of these areas are important if you want to find healing and you want to be ready when the world throws things at you. So mentally, what do, you, what do you got going on in your mind? What are you filling your mind with? Is it healthy, importantly, significant, kind of clean, clear things? Or are you filling your mind with junk? In the past week, I've been dealing with some things uh, in a business interaction with some family members, been really challenging. And about four o'clock in the morning, for some reason, I wake up and uh, I, I know it's coming. You ever have this, like you wake up and you're like, oh, oh don't let that thought come in my mind. I just want to go back to sleep. And before I can even capture it, it's like, boom, it's there. And then I'm thinking about this business thing and it's, room, it's running and then it starts to turn to worry and then it goes from worry to anxiety. Next thing you know, I'm not able to go back to sleep. Mentally, I'm not doing a good job taking care of myself. It says to Romans 12, says, uh, not to be conformed to this world but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I need to do better there. Physically, how are you doing? Eating, exercising, resting, drinking water, all those important things for staying healthy physically. Spiritually, practicing some disciplines that would allow you to connect with the Lord in a real and tangible way. Emotionally, how do you have somebody that you're hanging out with, that you're getting to have a good conversation with, you play in a little bit, expressing joy and, and finding some peace in your heart. All four of those areas are places that you can actually do some work to get healthier, to get your heart in a better spot. We can't do it all by ourselves, though, and I wouldn't want to. And that's really the role of the church is to be God's ambassadors to help when things are hard. So I love this church, been a part of a lot, and I honestly think that the resources here are probably stronger than any church I've ever been a part of. At Cypress Creek Church alone, we have a wide range of ways to intercede on your behalf. They, uh, they start with daily devotionals. 
I don't know if you get these daily devotionals. Uh, all of these resources you can see at the bottom, ccc.guide. Uh, you can pull that up and you can get any of these resources or access and understanding of any of them that you want to, ccc.guide. But these daily devotionals, if you hadn't signed up for them, I mean, they show up about 4.30 in the morning or something like that, which is really helpful when you're awake at four and your anxiety kicks in. So those have been really helpful to me. Maybe that's all you need to get on a better track. But you might need to join a community group. We've got some really good community groups. We've got men's groups and women's groups. We've got kids' groups and students' groups. We've got college groups. We've got a group for women who have lost their spouse. Just couples' groups, young families' groups. You might just need somebody around you to help walk out the hard issues that you're facing. And maybe that group is good, but man, the leader of that group may be somebody who you need to talk to about mentoring you or discipling you, giving you some more prayer coverage, which brings us to number four. We have a really cool prayer team here. And I, I hesitate to say they do more than pray because prayer is, but inside of that, what, we, what I usually think of prayer, I mean, they do counseling through that. They do intercession through that. They do life-on-life -life contact with people. It's a great spot if your heart is in a bad place. You can keep going down the list. Celebrate Recovery is continuing to meet hurting people, helping other hurting people through hard things. It's just folks acknowledging their needs and surrendering to a God who loves them and people around them that will help. Uh, man, pastoral team. We've got a really cool team and, and they wanna intervene on your behalf. They're available to listen and help. Spiritual formation, pastor. We have a pastor just for spiritual formation. Bob Moss, super cool dude. He writes a lot of those devotionals at 4.30 in the morning. So, you know, I figure if you're up at 4.30 writing devotionals, you're worth hanging out with. I mean, that's pretty cool. He's awesome. Uh, another place to go when you're hurting. Encounter, part of the church's DNA from the beginning has been encounter. And this weekend getaway where you kind of identify hurts and wounds that are tripping you up and keeping you from being the person that you want to be. And then uh, the gathering guide I mentioned, ccc.guide, has an amazing listing of all the opportunities that are out there. Today is not one of those fun days with light content. It's one of those days where I just wanted to be able to say to you, if you're hurting, be willing to acknowledge it. If you're not, be willing to help somebody who is and know that this church has resources to point you toward the ultimate healer. And that's who God wants to be in your life. I'll end with this uh, sentence. The worship team will come back up here. But um, I was thinking about what it looks like to live this kind of life. It's really a challenge to me and a challenge to you guys. Go and live authentic, imperfect, messy lives before a broken world so that others may see Jesus redeem and transform you into his image. I don't know if it's the right way to do it or not, but I know that a lot of great evangelism has happened when somebody was willing to be vulnerable and tell the pain of their story to somebody else who then could relate to that, who then wanted to know how they got through it. So let's be genuine and authentic with each other. Let's pray.